What's up, everybody? I'm Tina. And I'm Jen. And this is The Sinistry, a podcast where we discuss some of our favorite fictional characters as we explore their astrological signs and sinistries. Today, we're talking all things you. Wait, who? No, like you, the show. Part one of season four has officially premiered, but before we get into you, I want to know about serial killers in general. Like, is there a common astrological sign amongst serial killers? I read online a 2021 study found that most common serial killer zodiac signs are Cancer, Pisces, Sagittarius, and Scorpio. The study analyzed almost 500 known serial killers from around the world, finding that almost 40% of them fell under these four zodiac signs. Woof. Jen, can you shed some light on this? Do you believe there's some type of astrological commonality that all serial killers possess? Okay, so I've heard of that study, and I definitely feel there will be astrological commonalities between known serial killers, full stop. However, I attribute that way less to anything to do with their big three and much more to do with the Pluto and Neptune aspects of their charts. It's got to be something deeper than just a sun sign commonality is what I'm suggesting. However, again, and I do appreciate a study, there was another study that linked the majority of known serial killers to possessing either a strong water sign presence or them being a mutable sign, which would be Ooh. which would be Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, or Pisces. Um, so Ted Bundy, Sagittarius, Jeffrey Dahmer, Gemini, Son of Sam, another Gemini. Those are all some good examples of this mutable link. Now remember, mutable signs are flexible. They're changeable. This makes them unpredictable, blendable, quick-minded. Um, but on the note of predictability, we should also talk more specifically about Virgo. Virgo, which is also a mutable sign, as we just said, is a little unique in this lens. So strong Virgo placements have been found in some of the most notorious serial killers. Uh, there are some, and I hate to use this word in this context, but skill sets that Virgos possess that make for a quote-unquote successful serial killer. Ah, hire them for your next murderous job. <laughs> you are always looking out, Tina. <laughs> yes. Ah. Okay, so don't hate me for this one, Virgos, but hear me out. As the Virgo archetype, we've got very meticulous, clean, routine-oriented, detail-oriented, highly intelligent people. And keep in mind, I'm not talking about killers in general, but specifically serial killers, the ones that take their time to get caught, kill multiple people in a rather organized, methodical fashion, and clean up their messes in a rather intensely sterile type of way. So all these things are not the killing, <laughs> but things surrounding <laughs> the actual killing part that Vir Virgos are quite good at doing. Ooh, <laughs> they're going to hate you. But then, then we have to come to the motives <laughs> portion. A and this is where Scorpio usually gets a bad rep and is usually thought of to be a big serial killer zodiac sign because of its themes. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, Scorps. Um, you know, we're talking power, possession, obsession, 
However, like I said earlier, this is more of the planetary intensity, if that makes sense. So that of Pluto, in the case of what we're talking about here with Scorpio energy, that is perhaps more to blame for a misfiring of sorts of these qualities. Way to go, Jen. Jen needs to be hired for all the things. Hire her for your (laughs) police stations (laughs) to find the murderer for your courtrooms. Uh, So I guess we can't have a Sinistry podcast episode about serial killers and not mention the Zodiac killer. Like, hello, astrology. But he did not base his killings on astrology. That is what we think. We don't really know because he was never caught for one. The Zodiac killer name he gave to himself apparently with no context except for something about a Zodiac watch that came up in investigations later on. So that is cleared up. Like maybe. But my next question, Miss Jen, what is the first Zodiac sign to get murdered? Like who be dying the most via serial killer? <laughs> oh, for sure. It's us. <laughs> it's totally us. We, <laughs> we Libras are going down. <laughs> And Pisces, totally screwed. First to go. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Okay. Well, so now that we have some background on serial killers and that I'm going to die, let's get into you. (laughs) You, the TV show, is based on the novel by Caroline Kepnes called Hidden Bodies and some fun facts. Apparently, Caroline had some hesitancy at first labeling Joe as a serial killer. She argued he's not a serial killer. He meets these terrible people and has these awful thoughts, but he's very sensitive, which I agree with. She said, it's very strange to realize you have written a serial killer, which I thought was so interesting. Also, my girl crush, Victoria Pedretti, Victoria Pedretti auditioned for the role of Beck. Can you imagine her as Beck? No. (laughs) Yeah, she is love. She breeds love. So Greg Berlanti who we have a birthday for, May 24th, 1972. What's May 24th? Uh, so that is... Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Gemini, actually. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's like right there on you the You guys, cusp, I'm still learning. So delete, delete. So Greg Berlanti, May 24th, 1972, and Sarah Gamble developed the television series, but I want to focus on Caroline because she was like the OG. So what is her astrology, Jen? So I actually put her into my little programming to take a deep dive. And although I don't have her exact birth time, I do have enough to get her moon, sun, and some other fun stuff. So she is a Scorpio with a Gemini <laughs> with a Gemini moon, which is not surprising at all based on everything we just spoke about. So... I'm very much a firm believer that writers put themselves in their work, which we have discussed before in this podcast, um, because, you know, the number one rule of writing is write what you know, therefore who you know best. So as we dive into the show, you, we definitely have a strong element of Scorpio and Gemini, which we'll get to later. But this also coincides with the two big Zodiac archetype traits of serial killers in the studies that we mentioned before. I don't know. Caroline. Caroline! We nervous? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, just like in serial killer movies and shows where there's this cat and mouse dynamic with the detective and the murderer, they both have to share some kind of understanding of how, of the how and the why of killing. Like the detective almost has to have some sort of fascination of it or has to be 
able to think similarly to catch the killer. It's a good example of Zodiac archetypes in their negative versus positive expression. Well, that is just fascinating. Jen always teaches me something new. <laughs> so before we get into our gel, if I should even call him that because like that's gross. But I actually do love how much Penn Badgley has to say about fans checking themselves about being attracted to a serial killer. Like he's adamant that no one should see him as a good character on any level. But alas, here is a quick synopsis of you. 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 <laughs> you is a psychological thriller that follows Joe, a bookstore manager by day and a serial killer by also day, except he usually expertly disguises himself with an infallible baseball cap. Joe falls into these deep, obsessive relationships with women seemingly solely based on their appearance as his pursuits typically start prior to having any actual conversation with them. He really does seem to just want to save them all from potential harm, though. Almost like a Dexter, but like minus the whole cop thing, Joe is meticulous and intelligent, and while he does bad, bad, bad stuff you kind of start to like him. Things get crazier in each season as his love interests multiply and he has a child now. As we just got our eyes on the first part of season four, we know that our boy Joe has escaped to London and a whole new cast of characters await for their potential demise by his hand. So Jen, where should we start? Well, it all comes down to Joe. So I feel like let's get into him first and see where that road leads. Okay, let's do it. Okay, <laughs> so obviously I rewatched all the seasons because I really wanted to get Joe accurate or, you know, in my astrological way of seeing things, I wanted really to hone in on what the big three were. And obviously there was an overview that I felt with Joe of what signs were involved here. But at the same time, the placement of those said signs in which big three placements they would fall in was very difficult for me to land on. So looking at Joe's life through this show, we gather, especially we we get a lot of information in that very first season where we know he's been abandoned. We know he's been abused as a child. We know he's been cheated on in past relationships. This character of Candace keeps coming up in the first season, carries on to the next season. He desperately is seeking appreciation and he really really wants to find his home again I think it might have been in the second season there's there's a moment like a flashback with his mom and his mom is on some pier in California oh it's definitely second season because they're in California but the mom says you know my home is with you kid and there's just this sense of him where he's just trying to find his home again with people in a way you know it's 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 really sad like look we we can't like him we can't we have to listen to Penn we can't like this guy but it's it's very much a, a huge misunderstanding and a huge negative expression of things just going terribly wrong in his astrological chart which is unfortunately a direct result of the way his life story panned out you know then he he ends up in this with this guy who owns the bookstore who's basically a monster who like locks him in that box in the dungeon downstairs and yeah in the first season you know he has this relationship with Paco and again in the second season he has the relationship with Jenna Ortega's character where it's sort of this idea of him really caring about kids and it's because it's you know a reflection of his upbringing and how he wants to be super protective of them and their innocence and make sure they don't end up the way he does because I think there's an acute awareness 
that he's messed up. But also he ignores that too. Like he, he always deflects responsibility for the reasons why he ends up killing everybody around him. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> no, Joe, no. So he's really messed up. Um, but there's, yeah. you know, there's definite character traits about him that are super archetypal. Um, but I, I was I did find it interesting in the first season when he spoke to Paco. He gave he gives him the book the the Frankenstein book, which yeah. And he and he says um, he says Frankenstein's not the monster. The creator is. So it's a clear idea of him really not taking responsibility for his own behaviors. Really thinking it comes from a genuine, genuinely good place of caring and protection, and it's. It's not right. It's still messed up. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Is that even a word? Uh, it's, 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 <laughs> now it is. There's something very poetic in the worst of all ways here going on. And so with all that being said, he's got, you know, he works in a bookstore. This is someone very intelligent. This is someone who loves to read. He's got nostalgic parts of him like he likes to visit the past he likes to get lost in stories he's clearly looking for his home and he's on the move a lot so his home doesn't have to be necessarily a material place it could be a person um and yeah (laughs) and he's he's quite organized like there's even the scene at the very like the last couple minutes of season one where he's organizing beck's book after she's dead (laughs) the way he's like touching the book gotta keep it clean super ocd um he's very he he constantly has this mantra especially when everything hits the fan where he's literally just like so confused by these women aren't just giving their souls to him the way he does for them like he's so misguided as far as how he views love and how he views relationships where he thinks that they just have to be willing to do everything that he's willing to do for them, which is super intrusive and crazy and possessive. But he keeps saying the same thing in every season. He says it. it's like everything I have done, I have done for you. And it's just that emphasis on you. <laughs> you. Yeah, you. <laughs> Me? No, you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so he's desperately looking for this recognition and this reciprocation of love. So I, yeah. all of that crazy being said, you know, and obviously he, he's very drawn to these women who are seemingly like helpless. Do you know what I mean? Like innocent. Yeah, absolutely. Helpless, kind, sort of like back in the initial way he views her again without having said a word to her, like never had an interaction. He just sees her and he like creates a whole delusional story about her. He has to save her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He thinks he's he's good for her. He's going to protect her. He's going to save her. Everyone else is, like, against her. And so he's got his work to do. And then he meets Love in the second season, has the same feelings for her without beginning to get to know her. And we'll talk about how that ends up. But, yeah, I just think there's this heroic aspect about him. Or in his own mind, he's being the hero to the damsel in distress character. So with all of these components, I went with calling joe a virgo son i do feel this virgo energy trickles throughout him where he's organized he's meticulous he has a pattern 
you know, Virgos are very routine oriented. And this Joe is clearly a pattern dude. He's got, he sees the girl, he goes for the girl, he has his protocol of how to, you know, check their social media, stalk every friend, (laughs) find where they work, find what they like. (laughs) It's incredibly detailed. He has an eye for detail, like no other person. And sort of that trickles down to everything. And then there's also the service aspect where Virgos are very giving that's their love language is to be thoughtful and to think of the other and provide for the other but sort of the flip side to that with virgos is the lack of appreciation will cause a counter effect where all of a sudden their anger comes through and this rage of like well i'm doing xyz and if that person isn't aware of all they're doing it's really explosive you know seemingly explosive because They're just so fed up with giving, giving, giving and not getting anything back that feeds them. So I'm calling this Virgo for his son. I'm calling him a Cancer Moon because of what I said about the home. So remember, Cancer is the the crab. The truth about Cancer as a sign, as we've spoken about before, it's, it's where's its home wherever it goes. So there's this idea where his home is with him because he moves around a ton like I don't think he's very connected except for the bookstore perhaps he's not really connected to anything that's actually like physical space but he's desperately looking to share his life with someone how long that sharing of his life would last with any potential person we don't know because he seems to very he seems to flit around a lot (laughs) he'd be moving yeah (laughs) hope he has a credit card an airline credit card get those miles (laughs) So he's very, but he latches on right away, very connected and very, in a very deep and empathetic and intuitive and sensitive way. And that's very cancer. So he's, he picks a girl, he invites them into his shell with him and he hopes beyond hope to sort of build this home with them together. That's his ideal delusion. You know what I'm saying? And and I think that's why I'm calling him this cancer moon because it had, it had to be I felt like he had to have a moon in a water plane just because of his sensitivity, his feel like he's a feeling person. It's clear as we move through these episodes that he feels all the things, even though this Virgo gives him a little bit of a stoic quality where he, you know, he's not really emotive. Like earth signs can be a little bit uh, cold feeling in many ways where Virgo is much more in the brain and meticulous and, grounded in other things like books and stories and logic but this cancer moon definitely gives him this empathy this connectivity quality and on top of it he's very feminine he's very he's very (laughs) he's in touch with the female way of life and their their moods and he yeah he really appreciates and understands women on a level that i think a lot of men without these this many feminine placements because remember virgo is a female sign earth all earth signs are female all water signs are female so i'm already calling him uh, so far all feminine signs but and cancer is the sign of the mother it's ruled by the moon so this has a lot to do with the feminine mystique so to speak and yeah wow i think that was my call on that and then rising sign though rising sign had to be something interesting and in a way manipulative because 
he does whatever it takes to get someone to do what he needs them to do. And he's very clever and he's very convincing. I feel like he convinces everybody to do anything he puts his mind to. And and yes. And at the same time, he's got this charm about him. You know, he's not the most he's not a social butterfly. So I eliminated I, I, I wanted to stick to water and earth for him. I definitely eliminated air and fire for Joe. Although okay. I gravitated slightly at a certain point towards Libra just because of this desperation he always seems to have for a partner. <laughs> we gonna die first. <laughs> yeah. I just think air and fire signs are just less capable of like planned out murder. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sounds so bad. Like, I think a fire sign would probably be, you know, an impulse murder for sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Anyways. I'm saying yes if, like, I know what you're saying, but I'm, like, starting to understand more. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Sure. It's a cryptic, it's a cryptic conversation to have, but that's just sort of where my mind is going with this. But I, I think I, I wanted to stick to the the feeling signs and the the depth of emotion signs and then the grounding logically oriented signs and the patient signs because i think to to do what i was doing he has a lot of patience and that has got to come with some yeah you know what i mean like he's rooted in him he has a mission and you know he's not impatient he he wants things to happen but he's willing to do everything it takes to make sure all the details are set up and then he goes in. So uh, back to the rising, I'm, I'm calling him a Scorpio rising because he's got this, you know, salesman-like quality to him. He's presenting himself sort of boy next door. He's very unassuming in appearance, which mm-hmm. is Scorpio as far as what they look like. Because remember, rising signs can actually determine your physical characteristics as well as your outward personality and your social mask. For, for yes. scorpions, it's not necessarily, like, particular traits. They're known to sort of have almost a scorpionic, like, lumbar region. <laughs> Just, like, sort of this, like... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a thing. But <laughs> it's more so in their magnetism, more so in their presence. And I think that Joe, despite his boy-next-door looks and his generic ability to put on a baseball cap and disappear from everyone's radar... <laughs> he's he's got these like something in his eyes you know something in the way he looks at someone it's like he's seeing through them and it's very attractive not even in like a physical sense but there's something that draws these women to joe you know just as much as he's obviously much more so that he's drawn to them but equally they they reciprocate the attraction you know they 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 flock to him eventually um, but he knows what to say and what to do to make that happen or to at least to expedite that process. And that's very mm. that's very Scorpio rising. He's got that social charm. He's got that magnetic, powerful intensity to him. And yeah, so those are those are my big three guesses for Joe. I love it. So Virgo, Virgo sun, and he said Virgo is earth, right? Right. And then Cancer Moon, Cancer is water. Yes. And then I forget the the Scorpio. Did Scorpio rising is that fire? No, Scorpio or is that's water sign. Yes. Is, 
water. Okay, because you did say that you were leaning more towards the earth and water. Yeah, I feel like... Versus the fire. Right. I think, you know, we spoke about the mutable signs being serial killer (laughs) architects types or whatever that study was. And Sagittarius is definitely one of them. I think it's... uh, What's his name? Ted Bundy is the Sagittarius. There's a couple of really yes, famous. Oof. <laughs> yeah, oof. <laughs> Ted. <laughs> There's a couple of like very intense Sagittarius, famous, notorious, I should say, um, serial killers. But I think fire is different. I think the way Joe does things, it's much more from emotional point where perhaps the Sagittarius, like a fire sign killer, is more about violence if that makes sense, you know, or with Joe, it's not about violence. He doesn't want to hurt these people at all. He wants to protect them in his little shell, but when they... In his little hermit crab shell. Yeah. (laughs) But when they violate the trust or when they, you know, do not reciprocate or threaten to upend his whole shtick, he freaks out and they've got to go. So the intention, I think, at least in his mind, is never to hurt any of these people that he falls in love with he'll happily hurt anybody that even talks badly of them despite anything even if they deserve it but he just it's just a more of a protection thing which is very cancer moon and scorpio yeah and i think that also goes back to what caroline said too about when she was writing him and she didn't write him to be a serial killer so yeah absolutely and just back to the fire stuff, I'm kind of avoiding a bit of fire in my assessments of this show just because for the serial killer portion of it, for the Joe idea, he's just not a violent person. You know, obviously he's capable of it, but it's only when things hit the fan to such an emotional level that he has no other option in his mind, in his twisted mind, than yeah. to off these people. But like, there's no, you know, a lot of serial killers, like, You know, it's sort of what draws them to kill is the act of it, is the act of the physical violence of it. So that's just a whole different thing, which is why Joe is just not your, not your average Joe serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) Not your average Joe. (laughs) Okay, should we get into like some of the women that he dated? Yeah, absolutely. So... Or do you have more on Joe? No, I think we'll leave it there for Joe. We'll probably circle back on him to some extent but let's talk about beck first perfect okay so beck we actually do get her birthday and oh my god yes yeah and her dumb friend is like even makes a comment about sagittarius saying like beck loves the attention she's a sagittarius which i cracked up (laughs) (laughs) you'll see that on our instagram we'll play a clip (laughs) absolutely so Beck's birthday is December 3rd, which does make her a Sagittarius son. So my work is done for that portion. (laughs) (laughs) You would have guessed that anyway, so. I actually didn't. Until I saw that episode, I really was set on keeping her Earth as well. I was was sort of keeping on this track of water and Earth because even though Beck's not the serial killer, there's something that draws Joe to her and her to Joe. So there's got to be, you know, serial killer gene aside. There has to be some kind of compatible synastry here that keeps them in, in connection. But when the comment of the Sagittarius and then looking, thinking about it a little bit more about Beck specifically, she does enjoy attention. 
She she definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> and she's you know, she's flirty, she's kind of all over the place, she wants an adventure, she wants this big life, and she's a traveler. Like you could just she definitely embodies some Sagittarius qualities. So and she's quick thinker. She's that's very mutable energy, which we spoke about with, you know, the serial killer traits. It's like this idea of having to think on her feet, you know, in the final scenes where she realizes that the only way to escape her final prison of Joe's in the basement and in his cage is to sort of play into this idea that she's falling for him and that she realizes what she has been missing this whole time and she's in, you know and and so she plays into that she just turns into a complete actress and nearly fools him but ultimately didn't work out um <laughs> so for her moon I went with a Gemini moon, which is air. Ooh. Yeah. I, I originally wanted to call her a Capricorn because of her ambition. Because despite her seemingly in, seemingly innocent demure, I think that she wants to get – she wants to achieve success. She's got these very wealthy, influential friends surrounding her. And she's very – desperately trying to be a writer – but she doesn't come from money. You know, she's in this expensive school. So she's sort of using her assets to, you know, including her sexuality to sort of get the attention of this professor slash mentor of hers. And yeah, so she she comes in a little strong with that aspect. So I was like, maybe it's just this real drive in her. But I, I called her out as a Gemini moon just because of her. First of all, she's cheating on Joe with the therapist, John Stamos. <laughs> yeah. Yes! <laughs> Which is all a very hilarious side story, because with Joe pretending to be in a homosexual relationship and basically using it to yes. <laughs> <laughs> Using a guy's name instead of Beck, and that whole... That's another very Scorpio rising. Just that ability to just, like, become this other person for a minute. Switch. <laughs> so, but with Beck, you know, clearly she's not easily attached she's clearly got this flightiness to her this duality to her that is very gemini moon she's sort of spacey she's smart she's definitely smart she's definitely quick on her feet it's another mutable sign but yeah i i think you know she's got this curious nature it all fits with gemini for me and then for her rising sign i called her out to be a pisces rising because i really believe that this is sort of the attraction that joe first felt to her because a pisces rising is just very dreamy you know they're, they're sort of aloof and imaginative and very soft and kind and she's exuding all of this from the get-go it's not necessarily matching up with the rest of her placements but at least that's her first impression to Joe is this like little girl, you know, in her cute little spring or summer dress or whatever. And she's just hopping around yeah. and like being very easy peasy and breezy. And that's very Pisces rising. She's she's creative. She's a writer, which appeals to his like desire to sort of have the struggling artist type, especially having the bookstore element. And yeah, Pisces rising, water sign, very empathetic, very spongy of emotions, but remember, this is only her first foot forward. This is only her personality and her rising sign. It trickles into the rest of her personality, but not to the extent of her moon and her sun, which are very different presentations. So I almost feel like Joe was a bit duped here 
you know, where he saw her through these rose-colored glasses. Ooh. Do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> I do like that. It's ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> because Pisces is ruled by Neptune, and Neptune is classic delusional planet where it's just this we're putting someone on a pedestal, you know, and Joe absolutely puts these women on pedestals that, you know, they don't deserve to get murdered for not being on those pedestals. But yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so that's my back analysis love that love that for beck (laughs) what about like uh peach peach was very influential to beck here's some money oh my gosh you're spending you don't have this money that you're spending (laughs) for sure i mean love love what's what's the actress's name love her uh shay shay Shay. i think it's shay shay mitchell shay Shay mitchell Mitchell. really love her you got your base bag girl i do (laughs) I got like four. Buried in base. <laughs> They're so good. Get her a subscription. Or I mean a, a free one. <laughs> but Shay Mitchell. If you're hearing this, send Jay a bag. Send her a bag. Send us a bag. Peach. Peach. I love that name for her. It's really Peach. weird. Great name. <laughs> but she she's she's the worst in this show. Like she <laughs> opposite um yeah i think she if she was capable of killing which she might be we have we she didn't make it to see if that actually does go <laughs> to the surface she like survives a lot though we thought she was dead like four times or something but um yeah i don't i think she's has definitely got serial killer written all over her she's super super she's the same type of person to beck as joe is you know neither of them are doing beck any justice they're both trying quote unquote to help her by serving themselves it's a selfish kind of they're using beck you know there's something about beck that they both want yeah love and want to be a part of and so they're manipulating her to a crazy amount so i call peach a scorpio like scorpio energy all in all but <laughs> just <laughs> sorry, just the, Scor- the the Scorpio serial killer. There's a Scorpio very close to me in my life, and this just scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Scorpios are wonderful people. They're You're wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> I promise. It's just <laughs> when we're talking about archetypes and only the you know the very classic archetypes, the basic stuff. Scorpio. By definition, is a very, you know, it's these themes of power and obsession and control, you know, and Virgo too, control and like details and routine. These are qualities that can flip either way, you know, the yeah. same as any other zodiac sign. So, okay. but with Scorpio oh. in this particular thing with, <laughs> don't worry, Tina. <laughs> but the Scorpio quality about Peach, I feel just for me, was just all about this control and obsession. Like she's obsessed with Beck and yes. she wants to possess her. She wants her all to herself and which is very controlling. And she's using her finances to help Beck, which is very manipulative. So these are like all these negative qualities of, of Scorpio gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Scorpio gone wrong. <laughs> but... I also I didn't really dive too deep into her. I didn't do big three for Peach, but I definitely got a little bit of cancer in her as well, and perhaps something in the rising that could be fire, just because she is a bit more. Uh, she's tough, you know. She comes across as pretty blunt and impulsive. She yes. kind of goes after what she wants, which is a little fiery. So I went with like an Aries energy for her. 
but we should talk about uh, Candace. Yes, funny. Candace. Oh, funny. <laughs> funny. So <laughs> this kind of ties into season two for me because I feel this Candace for sure is Gemini all the way. Okay. She just screamed Gemini to me. And remember, Gemini in the Zodiac, representative of the twins, which, you know, gives them that reputation of this duality, this sort of split personality type of thing. But the truth of Gemini, that it's definitely a duality in a certain extent. But Gemini as a sign is much more about mental energy. It's curiosity. It's chatter, like nonstop chatter. It's very knowledgeable about lots of different things, very smart uh, a little bit flighty, detached, a little bit scattered, because again, it's this mutable energy, which is also a serial killer trait, like we spoke of earlier. <laughs> and and also, Caroline has this Gemini moon. Yes. So I feel like there is a presence of Gemini here in her characters that sort of trickles in, especially in the second season, where Candace is a twin in real life. Remember her brother has passed away he had some kind of mental illness but she was a twin Gemini and so I yeah I think that was some sort of like you know reference to this Gemini theme and then moving into season two we have love and 40 who are twins yeah so there's this theme of twins going on and I just see them all having a lot of Gemini energy moving into the second season which is interesting that we have yet another mutable sign presence so, very interesting <laughs> so second season we've got now joe is in la which is like hell on earth for him <laughs> he's killed <laughs> which i love i think that's amazing so we left beck is gone he tied up that whole story with a, a very lovely virgo bow very you know every detail paid every every dead end like stopped so he's kind of in the clear at least he sure probably is panicking but he's in LA safe and sound away from it all and now restarting this whole routine again yeah and now it's with love who is your girl I love her she's just such a great actress actor the haunting of hill house oh she's just so good so scary she does a good scared yeah that was that was quite a show so yeah we see love working at a Navarin. A Navarin. <laughs> I just went to Air One and we got like a $30 smoothie. Or no, it was $18. An $18 smoothie. For our audience that doesn't live in LA, there is a store, an actual store called Air One, which is a, this A Navarin equivalent, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is actually the word nowhere. Uh, it's not spelled backwards like A Navarin is Nirvana backwards right yeah 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 Yeah. but airbon is an anagram for nowhere (laughs) so here now he's in la his he's will now that's his new name and yes he's got these new characters so there's love and there's 40 and love is intense and 40 is chaotic (laughs) (laughs) she is intense She's so intense. Like, I love her, but she's, wow. Even off the bat, I was like, this girl, what is going on here? And, <laughs> like, hope this isn't spoiling anything for anybody, but she 
basically at the very end of season two, we find out that she is a serial killer in her own right. She sure is. She has got range, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so she, it, it comes to the surface that she murdered her own au pair who was abusing her twin brother, Forty, when they were kids. And then she went on to murder, which was the most devastating part of season two, was uh, Delilah. Oh, great name! It's such a good name. It's such a good name. So we've got Delilah in this new season, who's this like real headstrong, passionate, definitely got some Scorpio energy in her. And that's like a good expression of Scorpio. Or so she's sort of and she's another trait of scorpio which isn't always the best trait but it's very powerful oh jed (laughs) i'm sorry i love scorpio you're killing me i love scorpios i'm just saying that they have an intensity to them and vengeance is like a thing it's a theme and she remember she was abused by chris dillia yes character which we won't mention anymore on that track but there's that and she pretty much makes it her life mission to become this journalist and to sort of shed light on what his character actually is all about so she's trying to expose him but she ends up a victim which is the saddest part of season two because love kills her thinking that joe would appreciate it thinking she was a threat to joe which is super devastating to poor jenna ortega as ellie her little sister who's like a absolute pleasure to watch in season two she literally is the wednesday of la i feel and (laughs) yes she is she's so good it's insane what about her did you did you do her uh big three i didn't do her big three but you know i really felt that there's something interesting about like there's these characters like jenna ortega it's she's sort of she's chatty she's curious she's very intrusive you know she's got to know everything that's going on with joe she's sort of a little bit of a spy in the building and in the neighborhood she's also a bit flirty there's something flirtatious about her yeah <laughs> underage little she's, and she's very like mature yeah very mature or she acts yeah like it so uh, and she's also like she thinks she is yeah she's also just very not into trends you know obviously she's up on the whole instagram game and she's doing her thing but she's very doing it her way so i kind of read her as aquarius a little scorpio a little gemini with all the chattiness and the curiosity and perhaps a little libra and jenna ortega is a libra hey oh but uh so maybe (laughs) maybe that was coming through a little bit just in just who she is as an actress it did lead me to think that joe avoids women like this not that i he's not into the kids like the kids he's super protective of yeah he's not a creep to that level but you do notice like delilah is gorgeous and she's fiery and she's sexy and she's coming in in the picture right away and like he doesn't have an attraction for her and joe joe grasps onto women who who need him if that makes sense or he thinks they need him yeah so delilah like knows shit she's got strength in her she's got life experience like she's just she can handle her own and that's not attractive to joe otherwise he she would have been his first target you know what i mean yeah it's that cancer moon right (laughs) yeah i'm trying i'm trying you're killing it girl (laughs) killing it like joe oh jesus (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh i don't know i have this 
I have this theory that he's just avoidant of certain sign energies, like sign signatures. I think oh, okay. Leo's Leo's Libra's Aquarius Taurus Aries. So basically mostly air, fire, and then Taurus being an earth sign, throwing that in the mix. But these are just very confident, very I don't know. I they just don't need him. Libras might he may, he might be attracted to Libras. Yeah, we're the first to get murked. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. That's that's my yeah, take. today, on... gone tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I think it's really funny the whole LA gang thing. You know, this whole my one of my favorite scenes was his first impression of Love's friend group. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Where he describes them, he's like, ironically, she never met a sunset she didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is an Earth guide to a toddler. <laughs> Oh my god. Like what is that? <laughs> a pansexual acupuncturist. <laughs> yes. But anyway, there's just an interesting a whole new vibe for for season 3. And so with my with Love and 40, because they're very chaotic, they're a bit blunt, uh they're super sensitive both of them, but they're twins, so they had to have the same big 3. And we can talk about yeah. twins in another episode of like what distinguishes twins astrologically speaking, but here I'm calling them both Pisces suns, Cancer moons, and Gemini rising. Okay. So And that's love and 40. Love and 40, yeah. They've got to have the same big three. Pisces sun for the reason of this extreme sensitivity, which comes out a lot more so in... It comes out more so in 40's character, where he's definitely a a Neptune victim. We talked about the planet Neptune, which rules Pisces. This rose-colored glasses, it's escapism. It's a lot to do with addicts if it's in the wrong placement. And so we we see that 40 struggles with addictions, what ultimately leads to his demise. And it's a very sad story. He's sort of just the Pisces that's drowning in its own sea of emotions. And he's been through a lot in his life, so that could definitely be a contributing factor. And love, on the other hand, sort of is in the the feminine role of this Pisces sort of embraces more of the the tough one, you know, more of the protector. So she's very protective of her twin. That's that cancer moon, that mama energy raging out of her. And also that leadership quality that she has definitely evident in this cancer moon where the very first time Joe sees her out in the wild, it's like at the DMV and she's standing up for that Arabic woman who no one would talk to because no one spoke Arabic in that moment. And she was like off to the side and, you know, Love just took charge, stood up for her. So she's very protective of the underdogs. And that's a very cancer quality. And then Gemini rising, just because the two of them are so chatty. And so, you know, just they, <laughs> they just like don't stop talking. It's like aggressively, aggressive chatter from both parties. But yeah, but love. Yeah, love is a very interesting person, as we learn from the shocker end of season two. And then moving into season three. They get married and they have this baby together. And that's pretty much the only reason why he doesn't kill her is because she's the mother of his child. And Well, damn. Yeah. I don't really have much much to say more about love. Can I ask you a question about twins? Yes, please. I think I may have asked you this in the past. This can be off the record. We don't have to keep this in there. Okay. If like a twin was born, you know, like sometimes one twin will be like, I'm 12 minutes older. Is it possible that they could have two different signs? I mean, I guess it could be possible because they could be born on two different days if they're being born at like midnight and 
2 a.m. and it's like the next day or no that'd be, still be the same sign no very true if it's like you know midnight and 12 10 a.m. it's it's a different it's or, or sorry <laughs> if it's like 11 58 p.m. and then 12.02 yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a different day however what happens there and it's not super common that the twins will have a difference in their big three but it would make a significant difference if they do. But it could boil down to a matter of a minute or two because, and this is getting into the nitty gritty of the natal chart, but each house is made up of about 30 degrees. And so if you're rising, the actual mathematical point, the ascendant, is about zero to five or six even degrees within the border of the house, it means that if you're off by a couple of minutes, it could affect the entirety of the natal chart wheel. And this is a whole, whole thing. <laughs> to, yeah, to... we could do a whole episode. And this doesn't, I don't have to keep this in there. <laughs> I, I think it's, no, I think it's an interesting question. I think it is something that people ask me a lot about what determines, because, you know, you meet twins all the time that are so much alike. And also you do meet twins all the time that are way, way different personality wise. Yeah. So, it doesn't always have to mean the rising signs are different. It could be other things that are talking to each other within the chart. But there are definite circumstances where two twins have the same sun and moon, but different rising signs. And that will really make them, despite their looks, very different types of people. So, yeah, it's an interesting study for sure. Okay, what about season three? Can we get a little dibble, dibble dabble about the librarian? Right, Marianne. Yeah, so she was sort of unique, I feel, in this whole Joe story because I feel she is a lot different from the astrological signatures of Beck and initially what love we thought was. But here we have Marianne, who's this quiet, well, she's fiery, but she's a pro, you know, she's very like sensual you know what I mean there's something really like slinky and felt about her and alluring and and also grounding and especially like in a contrast to the absolute chaos that Joe is now enduring with his serial killer wife and all of the like cheating and the sex stuff that's (laughs) going on in their crazy household it's a lot yeah the season is hilarious and even like side note the the hilarious couple that come over for the whole like sex thing they're gonna have like a foursome or oh something. my god yes <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is definitely back to joe being so feminine and in touch with this like feminine side because you have this like real manly man in contrast to that remember they go to the woods he's like we're gonna go like cut things and like chop wood and stuff poor joe Joe, Joe is not. He was totally like, no, no. I don't do this. Completely out of his element in this like man's man world, and it was like that guy was very. He was giving very, you know, Aries for sure. Aries masculine energy, but <laughs> but sorry. Back to Marianne. Marianne is this librarian, so it's that book camaraderie. You know, season one, the bookstore. Marianne, the librarian. So right away, I flocked to another Virgo, which we haven't seen yet as far as like his usual go-tos, which have a lot of water presence in them, at least in the, yeah. you know, moon and rising stuff. But I felt that 
while love and him seem to have an instant like connection which is probably the synastry of having the same moon sign the same water placement i think that with i think this identity is the sun sign because similarly whenever you meet somebody that has the same element moon sign or the same sign sign in your moon <laughs> sign sign but uh <laughs> it's like it's an instant connection an instant understanding and the moon side it's much more of an emotional connection and the sun sign is more of a recognition so you know that's why people of the same sign especially friendships usually gravitate towards each other just because there's an, an understand a mutual understanding and i think here there's something about marianne in this library and this setting that's very reminiscent of like joe back in the day in season one you know he had this store and he just like she likes all the things that he likes and they can talk the same language and so i saw this as being both of them virgo sons and i i didn't we don't get enough of marianne really to understand what else is going on with her we don't get as much detail as we do for Beck and for love. So I just sort of left it there as her having just exuding some earth stuff. She could have a little fire to her. She is a little fierce in it, you know, season, the very beginning of season four. Hope this isn't spoiling anyone, but we see her again and she's like, she's fleeing. It's like a flashback. She's fleeing from Joe. We don't yeah. know what her, we don't know what her story is yet or where she ends up, if he gets her or not, but she's definitely, you know, a fiery presence that's fleeing and like knows what's going on and, and is as action oriented. So that's fire to me. So I don't know. That's, that's as far as I dove with Marianne, but we'll see if she pops up again. Whenever you say her name, it makes me think of the music man, which I was in the music man junior. <clears throat> Thank you so much to all my fans. And I was Marianne the librarian. And so every time you say Marianne the librarian, it just makes you think of her. And then Joe could be like Harold Hill because he keeps going to different towns to try to sell musical instruments. Just kidding. He's trying to kill the people <laughs> and save the women. <laughs> Marianne and Harold Hill. That's my tie-in. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, should we do some should we do some sinistry action and then wrap this up with a bow? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Well, I would say obviously the biggest connection here is Joe and Love. Yes. Which we see pan out to two serial killers running into the sunset together and having a baby, which does not end well <laughs> because <laughs> ultimately ultimately what we do find out is love does not need joe's protection and they are too much of the same person and that lends itself to this sort of power struggle between them that is ultimately just not working out and they're both like who is going to kill who first in a sense and ultimately joe wins that game even though love really came close yeah but there you can't deny the compatibility there you can't deny the sinistry and the mirroring of each other with that and then you have Beck, and Beck, I just think, was a real foil to Jonah. I think she just tricked him, you know, with her rising. I think he saw something that just wasn't there. Like, with a Gemini moon, there's no way she could have gone as sensitive or as emotionally deep as Joe wanted her to or was capable of himself. And I think that ultimately, even if she did turn out to be crazy, too, it would not have been a match made in history because... She just wouldn't have been able to go to those places with him, this like a abyss of soul merging stuff that he needs. And and yeah, and a Sagittarius and a Virgo, 
quite opposite. You know, Virgos are organized and they like, you know, things that are clean and put together well. And Sagittarius is chaotic and all over the show and they want to go and they're on the move and they could just be a little bit. So very different, very different energies there. So yeah, Beck and him, not a match made in heaven. Clearly didn't work out anyway. Uh, Love and him, almost too much of a match made in heaven. And then we're sort of left with Marianne, who is Virgo, who has definite potential to sort of fall in that middle ground, but we don't get enough of her to really see how that all pans out. And we'll see, we'll see who's next. (laughs) What about the women together, like before, prior to meeting Joe, would they get along? Like Love, Candace, and Beck. If prior to meeting Joe, like back in the day, maybe as teens, uh, would they get along? Never, never. (laughs) Love would kill them. Crazy. Yeah, they are. They are all crazy. (laughs) Crazy love. Love love would kill them. Love would kill them. (laughs) Love would kill them. Marianne would be way too cool for all of them. Bex just doing her own thing. She's like, I'll write about it. I (laughs) can't. Kansas just would just be like, I don't know. Hooking up with some dude. <laughs> I would just be like, it would be a crazy collection of females. No, no. The answer is no. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap it up. We just had the first part of season four come out. So we know that Joe is in London. And we have all these new characters, but we still don't know what happens in part two. Right. So this will come out before part two, but. Yes. I'll do a quick recap. So far, so good. So far, so great. Yeah. Love a British accent. I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it too. Yeah, I I'm... can't do a British accent, but I could do this one, which sounds like nothing. <laughs> You're hiring for part two, season four. <laughs> well, Tina, what? It just happened. <laughs> it's my cockney. Is it though? <laughs> it's my Lars do little. I actually have a CD in my car, like the one, my car has a CD player, if that uh, ages my car, and just a bit. the one CD I have is like how to, how to speak British for the actor, and if you talk very quickly and quietly, then you can kind of sound more British. Does that sound better than my cockney? You sound like the, <laughs> the beige, the sad beige claws lady. Okay, I'll keep working on my accent. Thank you so much for listening. No, but ser- seriously though, I am, <laughs> I am really excited about this season. I feel like it's giving the Jack Jack the Ripper vibe as far as being in London. Yeah. And it suits Joe so much to be in London, like especially compared to his whole LA stint, which was ridiculous. It was almost just like comical him being there at all. But him in London just it makes sense. It's kind of great. And this whole new cast of characters are all awful and wonderful at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Who will he protect next? Looking forward. Well, if you're still here, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Tina, quit it. I'm Tina. <laughs> and I'm Jen. <laughs> and this has been The Sinistry. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll be back soon. (laughs) Cheers.